there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> Probably like getting grade 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds. You're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean... Um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. Joining me this week, I have Hale Varsity's own Steve Mark. Steve, hello. How are you? Hello, Derek. I'm doing great. I'm excited to talk some football with you today. Yeah, so you wrote something, uh, it's like 10 days ago now when we're recording this. I don't know when folks are going to be listening to it. A couple weeks ago, a week, week and a half ago, looking at the three most intriguing games on Nebraska's schedule for 22. And so I have you on this podcast because I would like to talk to you about that because I love schedule talk. I absolutely adore schedule talk. Um, This specific kind of schedule talk. I don't like this game is too tough. They shouldn't have scheduled this game. But this kind of schedule talk, I'm here for it. So um, before we get rolling, I do want to say to anybody listening to this, make sure that you're reading all of Steve's content because it's really good. So go to hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe. Use the discount code VARSITY. Make sure that you are signed up. The website, premium content, make sure you're signed up. I believe, and Steve, correct me if I'm wrong, there is a yearbook coming soon, right? Yeah, very soon. Um, a lot of people put a lot of hard work into that thing, and I think it's going to be a really cool product for um, fans of, of Nebraska athletics to kind of kind of read. It's It's just a really cool cool product that Hale Varsity does. And I think a lot of people are going to like it. This is your first one that you've worked on. What'd you think of it? Yeah. I, I was kind of like nervous about the whole thing. Like, I'm like, Oh man, I gotta like, you know, it's, it's gotta be like the best of the best work that I do, you know, to, that goes into this uh, yearbook. Um, but yeah, it was kind of nerve wracking, but uh, I got all my stuff in on, on a good deadline and um, I had fun doing it. So I'm excited to read everybody else's um, stories in there. Got stuff in on deadlines. You're already better than me. Good job. <laughs> yeah. That was one thing I really wanted to pound home was just like, you know, get this in when it's supposed to be in and then I could like sleep at night. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Um, okay. So to, to kick us off, I first want to ask you what, what definition of intriguing did you use? So when you're crafting this list, you pick three games, you've got Northwestern on your list, you've got Illinois on your list and you've got Minnesota on your list. So yeah. When you were picking those three games, what like what definition of intriguing did you use? So uh, for me, intriguing means you know what am what games, what teams, what what opponents am I really interested in to see? Like from I guess a Nebraska fan point of view, um, as as a beat writer for Nebraska, you know, following the team, there are so many like interesting little angles for like every every opponent on the schedule. But like I wanted to kind of pick ones out that 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 I think fans really um, kind of took a hold a hold to, I guess. And, and Northwestern, it's it's pretty 
pretty simple. I mean, it's a big, big um, season, make or break season for Scott Frost in his fifth year uh, here at Nebraska. And boy, to kick off the season with a Big Ten West opponent 4,000 miles away from your home stadium, um, that's a big deal. And I know that Northwestern is down. Um, they lose a lot of a lot of guys from their team last year. Could be a good thing because they weren't very good last year. Um, but they they have a lot of um, an- questions to answer. And you know, going into it, I think that just fit what I was trying to do with intriguing because you know, if if Nebraska loses that first game, it's going to be worse than last year with I guess the psyche of of Nebraska fans and and you know how how this whole state fan base is going to kind of operate if they start the season 0-1, same as last year. Um, yeah, it's, it's just not good. So just going in, um, yeah, the intriguing part, not just on the field, but off of it and what fans really kind of think about other opponents is what I was trying to do. That game will be a, a revelatory game, but also I think it's interesting that all three of your games on here are Big Ten West teams. Yep. And, you know, Scott Frost doesn't have a, a good record in general, But if you look at his record against sort of the lower half of the Big Ten West, it's not what I think people thought it would be when he came. And so, you know, in a lot of ways, I think all three of these games are like, would, you know, would you pick Nebraska to win? Vegas would probably favor them, I think, in all three of the games. Yeah. Um, But they have to beat these teams before, you know, you can confidently say that, yes, this, this Nebraska team under this coaching staff or this head coach specifically, it's new coaching staff is better than those teams. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I think I, it, it's very interesting. I want to talk to you about Northwestern. We'll start with Northwestern um, because it's a similar spot to where they were at last year in that they've got a big 10 West division foe to open the season. And it is a massive game for not just for big 10 West implications, but also for you use the word psyche team psyche. It's a big game for them trying to build some momentum going forward. Do you think that it's the fact that it's going to be played so far away from home, so far away from even Northwest. I mean, like last year they played at Illinois to start and that was, you know, they were on the road. Do you think that this game being played, so far away from home is going to change things in Nebraska's favor. Do you think it's going to give them like a little bit of a, you know, we can insulate ourselves from all the noise because we're away from all the noise. You know, we're however many thousand miles away from all of the stupid media beat writers that cover this team. (laughs) Yeah. It's uh. so I guess my first thought would be maybe it evens the playing field a little bit, because if you look on paper, Nebraska, I think, has more returning firepower on offense. They've added a lot of intriguing pieces that we don't know if they're going to pop this year, but they sure as heck look like they might. There's some good pieces like the Trey Palmers, um, the Anthony Grants at running back, the quarterback with uh, Casey Thompson. So there's a lot of pieces, interesting pieces. um, But if you look at Northwestern, there's not a ton of interesting pieces. They have a lot of questions, like I said, to figure out, starting first and foremost with who's going to be playing quarterback. Is it going to be Ryan Holinsky or or, uh, uh, one of the young guys, maybe Brandon Sullivan, who um, I I had read as doing good in in fall camp uh, or spring camp with them. Um, So the first things first, they need to figure out a quarterback. And I think playing a game across the Atlantic Ocean in a different country, 4,000 miles 
away. It just adds a little bit of like unpredictability to this whole thing. Like I, it's, um, I, I just think that it might even the playing field a little bit because, you know, on paper, Nebraska might look like the more talented team, but if you're playing it in a foreign land over an ocean with so many eyeballs are going to be on this game, does, I don't know if that works for Nebraska or against it. So I, I think that maybe it helps Northwestern a little bit. Um, I'm interested to see your thoughts. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use indeed the better it gets and listeners of this show will get a 75 dollars sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com match just go to indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I think it... Um, that's a good question. That's totally fair. I think... I think we'll see. Nebraska just looks like clearly the more talented team. Yeah. They do. Um, and I do think that there's an element to this that Nebraska will travel significantly better than Northwestern does. Mm-hmm. And Nebraska's fan base will travel significantly better than Northwestern's does. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that'll help. I think that they, they could have a sort of home away from home environment that they can sort of sure. feed off of. I see. That, I think, yeah. I think if, if both of those elements are there, Nebraska shows up. Um, I don't want to say believing that it's the more talented team because then it might, you know, overlook Northwestern, but, mm-hmm. but acting and behaving like and carrying itself like it's the more talented team. Um, I, I think that they could win this game by, you know, seven to 10 points. Yeah. And I, I liked what you uh, just said about believing and thinking that they should beat a team like Northwestern, because that was another reason why I picked the teams that I picked is because, you know, if you go around a Nebraska fan base and a Nebraska football fan and you rattle off Northwestern, Illinois, and Minnesota, I don't think that those three programs get the respect yet from Nebraska fans. But yet those are the teams that are still beating Nebraska. And those are the teams that Nebraska needs to consistently beat before they can think about, you know, beating the Wisconsin's or the Iowa's, you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. So, yeah, I mean, since 2018, Scott Frost, he's two and two against Illinois and two and two, two and two against Northwestern. And he hasn't beaten um, Wisconsin and Iowa yet. And he's only beaten Purdue once. So those are some big 10 West teams that, you know, if you're thinking about big, big 10 West championships and, and getting into 
uh, the Big Ten championship game. You need to beat those guys first before you can even think about taking bigger steps than that. And they, he just hasn't done that. Scott hasn't done that um, at, at during his tenure at Nebraska. And, you know, that's why I wanted to pick these three teams is because can you beat them? They Last time Illinois was in Nebraska, they ran the ball for a lot of yards and embarrassed Nebraska on their home field. So I'm just wondering, can they beat the Illinois? Can they beat the, you know, that Wisconsin's Iowa's? That's a so. good segue because Nebraska didn't – this is going to sound harsh and it's going to sound kind of dumb because Nebraska hasn't beaten Illinois consistently enough, but Nebraska shouldn't have to respect Illinois. <laughs> yes. Like yeah. if we're being completely real about it, Nebraska and the fan base shouldn't have to respect Illinois. So that's the natural. This was your number two game on here. Yeah. Um, uh, Brett Bielema was cool. They're going to have a new quarterback still, especially talking about just talent on paper. Nebraska shouldn't shouldn't be in a game with these guys. Why is yeah. Illinois on on your list? Illinois is on my list because Nebraska fans have this kind of love hate relationship with Brett Bielma, and it stems from his uh, days I was with head coach at Wisconsin. And like you said, um, I don't think a lot of people around here really respect Illinois football program because it's Illinois. They don't, they're just kind of there, right? But yet, you know, like I mentioned before. The last time Illinois was playing football inside Memorial Stadium in Lincoln, I know they have one in Champaign, but in Lincoln, they got out of there. Levy Smith got out of there with a win, and then he got fired shortly after. So it's just like you you need to start beating the teams that you need to beat to win the Big Ten West. And Illinois is one of those teams that nobody around here respects, but yet they haven't consistently been beat. So I don't know. It's just maybe start by beating the fighting Illini. And yeah, I like their, you're right. Um, going into the season, I, I do like Nebraska's roster more than Illinois. I don't think they're, I don't think Illinois is going to be as bad as some people think. I really, really, really like Tommy DeVito, the transfer quarterback from Syracuse that that's probably going to be starting. At least I that's hope he I is. Going, that's where I was going next. Their win total is at four and a half. Would you take the over on that? Oh, man, I'd have to look at the schedule. Um, do you have the schedule on you right now? I do not have the schedule, but I can pull it up real fast. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I and they have a new offensive coordinator with Barry Looney Jr. He's uh, coming over from San Antonio, Texas, San Antonio. Um, he had some really good offenses under his belt over there. He actually beat Illinois last season, and um, he's good friends with Brett Bielema too. So it makes makes sense that Brett's bringing him on staff. So I don't know. There's just a lot of I don't know a little bit of momentum for Illinois, but. Uh, yeah, it's just it's it's very interesting with me. Crossover games for Illinois next year are uh, Michigan State at Indiana and at Michigan. So two of those aren't going well. So yeah, so I'm thinking they're one and two right now. They're going to play Wyoming, Virginia, and Chattanooga in the non-conference. Shout out Brandon's UTC. Yeah, the mocks. They're going to go after they play Chattanooga. Now, there's a bye week in between when they play Minnesota and when they play Nebraska. But after they play Chattanooga, they're going to go at Wisconsin, Iowa at home, Minnesota at home, at Nebraska, Michigan State at home, Purdue at home, at Michigan. I, I, I'm comfortably taking an under at four and a half. I'm going to have to. <laughs> I'm, I'm cool with um, 
I've seen a couple of things that, you know, Tommy DeVito at Illinois gives Illinois a passing game now for the first time in a while. Plus um, the new offensive coordinator. Which but I can how, I can, how well is this all going to mix in in the very first year? With a, yeah, I can get behind, but I I would put Tommy DeVito at the bottom of Big Ten West quarterback standings. I mean, like that's an interesting idea, right there. Maybe maybe ahead of Northwestern. Yeah, I'd say so. But definitely towards the bottom. But he's an experienced guy. He played a lot of football at Syracuse, and he's an but athletic Syracuse. dude. He's, but Syracuse. he's well, but Syracuse. Yeah. yeah. I mean it's power five football. Yeah, it is. It is. Don't that be one, on the orange no. right now. It's oh, I, I completely agree. I get what you mean. I get what I completely agree with your premise that Nebraska's gonna have to beat some of these teams yeah. that it is quote unquote supposed to beat before we can confidently say that it is supposed to beat these teams. Um because it hasn't. And some of the games that it has lost to Illinois have been embarrassing they've been in, embarrassing in, last year was embarrassing and the year before that in lincoln was super embarrassing in several different fashions which is kind yeah. of remarkable in, in itself um i will say this one more on tommy devito go for he it. gives he gives a little bit of juice along with the oc barry looney, looney jr he gives illinois offense a little bit of juice and more than they had last year with arter sikowski who is a immobile statue there um and Illinois, I like the two running backs that they bring back too. That's so we'll see. We shall see. The third team on your list is Minnesota. Yeah, that was an easy one. So talk know, to me about Minnesota. I don't know about you, but like people hate PJ Fleck around here. They really do not like that guy at all. He cares a little bit too much about his parents for people around here. He's a little bit too vocal for people around here, and that's fine. It's a different culture. Are you speaking? Are you speaking for people around here? Or are you speaking for you? It kind of feels like you you are speaking for you. You don't like PJ Fleck. No, I like PJ Fleck. I'm just saying, from what I've seen around here, people around here, the fan base, they don't really like that he dresses up on the sideline. They don't really like that he takes care of his appearance. There's a lot of fakeness, which I people, think, that yeah, a lot like of PJ Fleck, fake. a lot yeah. of uh, um, aesthetic. A lot of people Attention. think that he's not real. He's yep. he's he's like a person. He's a different person when the camera lights are on, right? And then he is when they're off. And I get that. But at the end of the day, I wouldn't care about any of that if he's coaching my program like he is right now. I think he's a pretty good coach, and he's doing a lot with little right now. How do you feel about Kirk Sharaka returning to Minnesota sideline, reuniting with Tanner Morgan? How do you feel about this this offense and, and their potential? Because, I mean, there was a stretch there where it was like, hey, Minnesota's coming in the Big Ten West, and, and it looked like maybe Minnesota might, you know, solidify itself as a team that's going to remain at the, the upper tier of the division or the upper, I don't know, the second or third tier of the conference for, for years. And now they're kind of – you know, we kind of moved on from the Minnesota hype train. We we're, we're kind yeah, of kind of flattened out. Adam. People are out on PJ Fleck. Kirk Sharaka took some time away from the program, and mm-hmm. yeah, flatline is a good word. So, do yeah. you like this offense going forward? I do. I do. I think that you know Sharaka. He he's had a kind of an interesting career. He's hopped around a lot, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, he's back in the mix right now in Minneapolis and. Look, they they bring back Tanner um, Morgan. He's an experienced quarterback. They need to um, rebuild some of that offensive line. A lot of those guys moved on. They bring back Muhammad Ibrahim, who I really like. He's coming off an Achilles, so that's going to be really interesting to see how well he um, looks back on the field. 
They bring back two of the backups. Of course, they used like five running backs, backs last, year, uh, last year, and they all did really well. But I think that was a kind of a product from that pretty good offensive line that just leaned on people for four quarters. So it'll be really interesting. But I don't know. I just I just like it. They're, they've been a tough-nosed team. They've been a, a really tough program that's been hard to beat for Nebraska. And um, I, I just think that they're going to continue to be tough, like a a tough culture over there. And I think PJ has, has has had an impact on that. That's his culture over there. PJ Fleck versus Scott Frost and like this Minnesota group versus this era of Nebraska football is the most entertaining matchup to me that Nebraska plays every year. Like, exactly. I, I, yes, I'm glad you agree with me because that was my reason why yeah. it was an intriguing game. There, there was pushback when I tried to say that it was Nebraska's best rivalry game, which yeah. – I can understand, and so I will. I will. I will change my statement to it's the most entertaining game that they play every year, yes. just because of all the extra off the field stuff. Like sure. it is very obvious that PJ Fleck and Scott Frost don't care for each other. Nope. It's very obvious that Nebraska fans and Minnesota fans don't care for each other, and that makes for an entertaining environment because you see it seep onto the field between the players, especially in close games. Um, the thing that is going to get blasted all around this game when we reach it is a line that you included in your uh, in your in your story is PJ Fleck saying after they beat Nebraska last year quote that was truly culture versus skill that's what I saw today so a couple things that's PJ Fleck acknowledging that Nebraska was the more talented team yeah but PJ Fleck trumpeting the culture that they have established at Minnesota at the expense of Nebraska's culture however strong it may or may not have been yeah so do we think that Nebraska is going to be, again, the more talented team on paper? If you had to just pick rosters in terms of talent, would you pick Nebraska's over Minnesota's? Yeah, hands yeah. down. So, um, yeah, this this becomes a question of – I agree with you. This becomes a question of how much progress has Nebraska made from a cultural standpoint in the last 12 months, right? Yeah, it's an interesting uh, question with that, with culture, because, you know, when you talk culture, you, you're talking about like close knit guys who have been been together in a foxhole for for many, many seasons. Right. And now you're introducing 18 Division One scholars, uh, 18 transfers with 15 coming from Division One schools and three more coming from the junior college ranks in this class alone. 18 new guys. A lot of those guys are probably the leading candidates to start at some positions. So when you talk about culture, it's that's that's just interesting to me because how quickly can culture be built or how quickly can new faces um, get get up and running with whatever culture is is at Nebraska right now? I, I don't have the answer to that, but that's an interesting question. Here's a hypothetical. Those guys that have come in that in a lot of instances look to be the likely starter at their position, yeah. those guys that come in help Nebraska to wins right away, and they – go about their business in a different way than Nebraska has gone about its business in recent years. And they are about different things, let's say off the practice field, away from cameras, away from media, things like that. They're about different things. And Nebraska's returning players, holdover players, whatever you want to call them, see that. And then the wins come and then they're like, all right, okay, we can get behind this. Mm-hmm. And this thing starts to roll. Like Scott Frost has talked about, we just need a couple wins and some momentum for it to snowball and for people to start buying in. Um, where does this game fall on the schedule? This Minnesota game it's later in the year, right? Yeah. And yeah, that was a, that was a really good point. Um, 
also I like where the where the games that I uh, mentioned outside of Northwestern because Northwestern is just an easy pick. It's a season opener. It's a Big yeah. Ten West opponent. Got to get off to a good start. You cannot lose that game, or else people around here are going to freak out. But Illinois and Minnesota. Let me let me look here. Start uh, of November. Yeah, it's the start Illinois of November. October twenty ninth. Minnesota's and, November fifth. Yeah, so it's like those. Okay, those are your two shots. You get past Purdue, you're going to have a bye week. You have Illinois and Minnesota, two programs who you consider little brothers or, yeah, just just not up to your level, Nebraska football fans. And then you get into just the meat of this schedule. You get Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa, bang, bang, bang. Those are, those are tough, tough programs and tough teams to beat that they haven't consistently beaten. So it's going to be really, really important, in my opinion, for them to get past Illinois and uh, Minnesota and have that that two little two game stretch before um, those those kind of heavy hitting programs to end the season. Yeah, because no matter how optimistic you are about this football team next season, you look at that three game stretch to close at Michigan, Wisconsin, at Iowa, and you say, I cannot, regardless of how I feel about this team, cannot say that those are locks those are probable wins those are even likely wins i look at those games and would say (sighs) at my most optimistic 50 50 toss-up because i love nebraska and think that everything that they've done has been you know the the correct move this offseason if you're a little out on nebraska you think that those are likely losses so Mm -hmm. if you're in a spot where scott frost finds himself where you have to you have to at least reach six wins, right? Maybe a little more, maybe seven, approaching eight, something like that. Yeah. Um, if, you, if you're just penciling in two and a half losses at the end of your season, you know, games like Minnesota and Illinois become super important. They're very important. Yep. Agreed. Before we continue, I want to take a second and thank the sponsor, FSC Edge. I ask questions for a living. The best Q&A sessions that I've ever been in have been ones where I felt like the person on the other side of the tape recorder was invested in me just as much as I was invested in them. Talk to folks who've worked with FSC Edge, who have gone to the offices, who have met with, and they will all tell you the same thing. You'll get the same kind of treatment. FSC Edge integrates AI technologies, case management tools, and augmented operators to optimally process patent documents quickly and accurately. They work with some of the largest patent offices around the world to manage thousands of patent applications and granted patents. We're talking about a place that deals on a massive scale, protecting inventors and advancing innovation, but does so in a way that makes every client who walks in the door feel important and heard. FSC Edge is always looking for new members to come on board and join their team. You'll be doing impactful work and learning about patents in a welcoming, easygoing environment. Check out available jobs today by going to jobs at fsc.com. So why is Oklahoma not on this list? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the Oklahoma game does intrigue me for sure. But I think like for for this for this piece that I was writing and and for the and and kind of what what it mean and what those three games mean against the Big Ten and West opponents, I just wanted to keep it in, in conference. Because in the grand scheme of things, Oklahoma is a cool game. Lincoln is going to be packed. It's going to be, as the kids say, lit. Um, <laughs> they are going to – I had to do it. I don't know. They had to uh, – look, Oklahoma's really important, 
and everything for from like an old rivalry standpoint. But in the, at the end of the day, it doesn't really count. Um, it doesn't really matter. I don't think for. I mean, let's just let's just uh, care about the conference um, teams and the conference record. That's where I was really getting it. That's why I didn't really uh, want to. Although I like Oklahoma, I think they're really cool. Dylan Gabriel's interesting. Jeff Levy is awesome. But I I just wanted to you know keep it inside the conference and let's let's take care of the Big Ten West first. It's all completely fair. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you. Yeah, yeah. Can I give you two games that I would replace? Do it. Let's have some list. fun. Because the first one is Oklahoma. Yep. I, you know, you get Northwestern and Dublin. Yep. You should win that game. If you're Nebraska, you should win that game. I don't care about all the extra stuff. You should win that game. You should. If if you are about the things that you say you are about and Scott Frost is going to survive this season, I don't care what it looks like. You should win that football game. North Dakota, got a lot of respect for FCS schools, especially yes, at the top of the FCS level. A lot of respect for North Dakota. Nebraska is a more talented team at home. You should win that game. Home opener, mm-hmm. you should win that game. Georgia Southern, you should win that game. This is your first test. September 17th against Oklahoma. All of those games that you lost by one score last year, all of the stuff that you dealt with, Oklahoma was one of those games. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma was one of those games where you had chances at the end and you made mistakes. Oklahoma was one of those games where you were on the road and you had a chance in front of what became a national audience because of how close that game was. Everybody started tuning in to say, what's going on with Nebraska? Is Nebraska about to do this? And then Nebraska stubbed its toe and everybody checked out and said, ah, same old Nebraska. Don't care anymore. Mm-hmm. You have a chance if you're Nebraska at home against an Oklahoma team that I think that is clearly in a rebuild situation with yeah. everything that it lost. And, and, you know, you call it a reload or a rebuild, whatever, but it's clearly like not where it was. What? Six, six months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, coming to your house. And I, you know, I, I, I think Oklahoma is going to be like a seven, eight win team. I'm not like, I don't think that they're going to be a, a, a big 12 title contender um, in year one. You, you know, this is a game where you can you can prove a lot of people wrong. And if you're Scott Frost, this is a game where you can you can sort of solidify yourself and say that this season is actually going to be different. And that's one of your first your first tests. It is. I, I completely agree. Um, I, Oklahoma really interests me just because I there's so much unknown there. Like you know, first time head coach Brett ben, Venables um, bringing in Jeff Levy as the OC. New new quarterback Dylan Gabriel, um, it's just so interesting to me. I don't I don't know how how they're gonna look. Are they gonna? Um, I I know I don't want to get too into the weeds with the schedule, but I do think Oklahoma is gonna get to Lincoln two and zero, and Nebraska could potentially if they get past Northwestern and handle business be three and zero. So that's a potential three and zero Nebraska versus a two and zero undefeated Oklahoma, but. Um, the Sooners have uh, a really good coach in in week two, I believe, with Sean Lewis and Kent State. I'm not saying there's going to be an upset or anything, but I really like what Sean Lewis has done at Kent State. I think he's a future Power Five head coach in the waiting here. But uh, yeah, watch out, Sooners. Uh, Kent State could be a little bit interesting and keep the game a little bit closer. 
um, than what everybody probably thinks, but I think they'll still get out of there with the win, but yeah. Well, that's also could be one of those games where, you know, you don't, you don't play your best, but you still win, but it's like the wake up call. Like that every team has that wake up call early in the season where they're playing teams that they're better than. And then they reach that one game. Mm -hmm. And then from then on, they are playing the way that, that, you know, their talent would dictate they should play. Just give Um, you a little scare, just to scare you a little bit. Yeah. So if if Nebraska can be that team on Oklahoma's schedule, things get interesting. They do. But if Kent State is that team on Oklahoma's schedule, then they come in, you know, either angry or they spent the last week getting screamed at by Brett Venables. So, <laughs> yeah, for sure. I was I was uh, interested interesting. I was just kind of thinking about Oklahoma's offense and um, how how good Dylan Gabriel has to like feel with like you know, doing an offense, uh, running an offense with uh, Jeff, Jeff Levy again. And I was thinking like Jeff Levy has always had super fast tempo teams, right? Like it's always been like, boom, boom, boom. It's what he did, you know, at, at Baylor under Art Bryles. And then again with um, Lane Kiffin. And then before that with central Florida. So I'm interested in seeing like, what's Oklahoma's defense going to be like, are they going to, want Jeff Levy is Venables going to want Jeff Levy to like go like boom, 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 boom. And, or does he want to like slow it down? We have a rebuilding defense. We're, we're learning defense here under, under Venables. Do we want our offense to go super fast or do we want to slow it down and, and help our defense out a little bit? These are the things that keep me up at night. I don't know. That's a good point. No, that's a good point. Yeah. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. The other game that I... I, The other game that um, I would give you as a as a replacement option in your mm-hmm. game list is Iowa. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, ha- it has to be it has to be Iowa. Iowa's a litmus test. Mm-hmm. Iowa is Scott Frost's, you know, Everest. That's the oh, team. Oh and four against the Hawkeyes. That's the team. Um I mean that's really that's really all it comes down to. That's the team, yeah. you know? It is. 
some some may say Wisconsin, but like it's Iowa. They're right across the river. Um, the fans, the dynamic with the fan bases, uh, the fact that you know Nebraska has played the last two games, Iowa very tough. They've they've given them good games into the fourth quarter. I mean, shoot, last year's game, Nebraska was looking really good until the fourth quarter hit, and then just disaster happened, and they got out of there again. Well, three um, games, three games, because didn't yeah. the first one in, in 2018 end on a field goal in Iowa City? Yeah, we got, yeah, full yeah. field goal action. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, it's just, that's the team. You're right. You're completely right. Nothing would make Nebraska kind of get momentum more and, and lighten the mood around here than beating Iowa for once. And it, it, part of it is just because of Sean Eichhorst's famous yeah. words. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's just part of it. Let me give you a hypothetical, another hypothetical, because I've given you a couple. Uh-huh. Nebraska's four and seven going into that game against Iowa. <sighs> Scott Frost beats Iowa. And, so and, and seven. does so not like at the end, like they, they do it not convincingly, but, you know, it's not something where they win at the very last second. They, they beat the Hawkeyes. Five and seven. But it went over Iowa. You keeping your coach? Put your you Trev Alberts hat on. You can't. Can you? <laughs> we're gonna do, we're gonna do it again, like another season of it. I you know without I, without a bowl game again. It would depend on what it looked like, but yeah, I I think the answer would be no. You couldn't. But it it does get interesting just because of I think how much that game, how important that game is. Yeah, that game is very important. And another thing that I, I think when, when I'm thinking about that kind of hypothetical, I, I'm thinking about that October 1st, October 1st date where Scott's buyout gets cut in half from 15 to 7.5 by October 1st. And like, what does that mean? Has he shown enough progress in that, in the first part of that season to, you know, show Trev Alberts that he's, that he has this program on the right path. I, it's just really interesting for me to think about. And I don't even know what to think about that, but that October 1st um, date where the, where the buyout gets cut in half, that, that kind of interests me. I'm like, Oh, what, what's that mean? Like what, what could the, you know, factors be with that? that, that that's something kind of fun to think about too. Do you think Alberts is the kind of athletic director that would make an in-season coaching change? No, I guess. No, he seems more, maybe methodical and, and kind of like, you know, he doesn't really, I don't, I don't really look at Trev Alberts and see a guy who just like makes a, a decision off, off a whim and, and what he thinks. I think he like wants to put thought into it. And I think he has put thought into it um, with the whole contract situation too. So. Yeah. He, because a, a mid season coaching change has an element of um, reactiveness to it. Mm-hmm. Especially, you know, with the the way that October one date falls on their calendar, they'll be five games in, yeah, um, or going into their fifth game. Um, yeah, so that'd be the Indiana game. And like, if you you know, if you see something bad in the first five weeks, that you're like, all right, time to move on. Then you saw something bad prior to the first week where you thought, okay, time to move on, and you just didn't want to do anything. And so at that point, you shouldn't do something until the end of the season. I'd agree with you that I don't think he's a guy that's going to make a <clears throat> make an in-season change, which which bodes well for Frost in the sense that, like, you know, if it yep. begins poorly and it closes strong, um, he can make a case because mm-hmm. of the way the last 
God, what are we doing? It's, exactly. <laughs> it's May. Um, it, they got to get, they, they have to get a bowl game. You're right. They have to get a bowl game. But because so. I just think because so. of how important Iowa is, it is an interesting question to think about right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, man, Iowa is just so tough because like they're, they, they're the program that they are, but they have Brian Ferentz as like an offensive coordinator. So what what game was that like number four in your list as your craft? Iowa would have been an was that would have been like my fourth one, yes. An honorable mention. Oh yeah, for sure. And what I, was it in contention with? What was number three? Oh, uh, number three was um, Minnesota, right? Did you just go in order like that, Northwestern? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I was just like most intriguing. Illinois is the second uh, most intriguing. Minnesota. It just happened to like match up with like how the schedule would go. Like Northwestern was first, and then like the next one that I thought would be Illinois, and then Minnesota. Okay. Would you put Nebraska as a favorite against Iowa on the road? Right now? Yeah. No, I can't do it. You need to. Oh, need but to you play. wanted to. I feel like you wanted to. No, it's close. I, I, it's because like the the past few games, they've they've been great games, very close games, um, almost toss ups at the end. Um, but for me to pick Nebraska, it's the same thing with like for me to pick Nebraska, bef- like over a Wisconsin or a Iowa, you need to beat them first, and they haven't beaten them first. I need to see it with my own eyes before I could predict that it's going to happen and guess that it's going to happen. At the end of the day you know, Iowa has like won those games in the fourth quarter with like physical stretch run, pushing, pushing Nebraska's defense around for four quarters and having it pop off in the fourth quarter. And I, I I just really respect them as a program and how they go about their business. And they've just won games with strong defense, strong special teams and so, so offense and before I could pick Nebraska to beat Iowa, they, Nebraska needs to like show me something that that you can like get to a program that's like that's like Iowa. Is this going to be even worse than a so-so offense from Iowa this year? Oh yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> the quarterback situation is is un, unbelievably bad. Almost, I I I don't like what they're doing on offense. The fact that Brian Ferentz is back. I mean, it makes sense because he's the son of the head coach, but like, and has more responsibility. Like, he has another title on his job description. Oh, does he? I haven't looked. What does he didn't, have? Didn't he add like quarterback coach? <laughs> didn't? Isn't that what happened this off season? I don't know. I'll have to. I, I don't know. I haven't looked into. Hey, the... if you block out all Brian Ferentz related news from <laughs> your feed, from your life, that is the way to go, my friend. I'm pretty sure he added another title to his job description. But yeah, that's that's nepotism at its finest, which is yeah. an accusation. I I know. I'm, Any other offense? I'm, I'm partly joking. Would have been let go, right? With that. Yeah, I don't think if he if his last name is different, I don't think he has a, a Power Five offensive coordinator job. I mean, that's crazy. It's crazy that it's that that's happening in like 2022. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It, it's 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 remarkable. Um, mm-hmm. So that game, you know, like you said, they've been able to lean on Nebraska, and yeah. in done. a lot of ways, it's been a battle of wills. And Iowa has won that battle. And you know, you could you could apply, you could probably apply PJ Flex quote about the Minnesota Nebraska game to the Iowa Nebraska games. Yes. Which, like, I, I understand we talk about culture too much, um, especially when, you know, you think a culture is not where it should be. 
culture gets leaned on as a crutch. Um, I genuinely did not mean to rhyme there, <laughs> but it is, it is a thing. It is a thing. And it's a yeah. thing that has bit Nebraska in the butt. Yeah. So would you say that the way Wisconsin and Iowa and even the past two games against Illinois, those are, those are like what Nebraska fans want to happen with their own team is like the way Iowa, Wisconsin and Illinois has have won these games recently against Nebraska. That's what Husker fans kind of wish that their own team would be. Yeah. I mean, that's like the next, the natural step in the progression of a rebuilding team is you, you get blown out. So you change coaches and you start rebuilding a foundation Mm -hmm. and then you lose close because you don't know how to win. But yeah. that teaches you how to win close, and then you win close, and then that teaches you, hey, this winning thing is pretty fun. We're going to keep doing the stuff that's leading to wins, and then you yeah. start winning big. And Nebraska's just stuck in the the awkward space between losing close and winning winning close. And they haven't quite figured out how to take the next step over to the right side of the mm-hmm. the rebuild path. Yeah, it's like they it's like they want to skip a step and like already get there. But they need to figure out to do like things that Iowa and Wisconsin do well that like make them win games that they should win consistently and at the end of the season, you know, being contention for a division championship type stuff. And I think some of the coaches that they've brought on staff are going to help them take that step. Specifically thinking of guys like Mickey Joseph, we need more more of Mickey Joseph's voice to help you Mm-hmm. Take that step from losing close to winning close, figuring out how to do the right things that are going to win you close games. Absolutely. I think some of the offseason hires were fantastic. Fantastic. I'm still kind of wondering about Donovan Raiola and, and the offensive line, just because that's going to be such a key piece to this whole thing mm-hmm. that doesn't get talked about a lot, I don't think. But that's going to be really important. But yeah, like you said, Mickey Joseph, Brian Applewhite coming from TCU, coaching the running backs. Um, mm-hmm. Mark Whipple, 40 plus years of coaching, you know, he's got it all. I think he has a lot of answers, but can he, you know, get his knowledge and, and teaching ability can, can that rub off on the players on the field and, and have, have them do what he knows, you know, what will work that that's going to be really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Steve, I'll let you get out of here. I know you got some work to do. So thank you for coming on the podcast. It was great having you on. Appreciate talking to you. Thanks for having me, Derek. We'll be back next week with another episode. In the meantime, keep reading hellvarsity.com. Make sure you're reading all of Steve's content. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. I will, uh, I'll, we'll, we'll link to his Twitter account uh, where we can. And keep listening to this podcast. And we'll be back next week. Thanks, guys. A Huda Media Production.